Hi, and welcome to IndieWire's Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. I'm Chris O'Fault, the editor of the Toolkit. My guest today is Pablo Lorraine, uh, director of Jackie, Neruda, and the Club, all of which came out in 2016. Neruda and Jackie, um, both December releases, both with uh, major awards play. And this uh, is a 39-year-old Chilean director who I, I don't think most people had heard of before this year. And then, boom, uh, Neruda at, at Cannes, the story of uh, Pablo Neruda, uh, the, the famous poet. This is a story about him in exile in the 40s. He was a politician. Um, and then uh, Toronto, uh, Pablo's English language debut, Jackie, uh, quickly picked up by Fox Searchlight, released um, earlier this month, December 2nd and instantly viewed as an awards contender, largely because of uh, Natalie Portman as Best Actress playing Jackie Kennedy in the six days uh, from JFK's assassination to his funeral. Uh, this is a really, really unique filmmaker, uh, and I, I don't really have a grip on him. Normally when I have someone on the podcast, I have fully absorbed his or her work, and I, I kind of know exactly where I wanted to go with it. And you'll hear me talk to Pablo, and I'm, I'm really searching, like, what, what are you all about? And uh, that's actually why I am have Kate Erblin, the uh, film editor here from IndieWire, because Kate is a little clearer-headed than I am, and uh, Jackie was her number one film of 2016. And I think right off the bat, you know, Kate, we were just talking about the fact that it feels like this guy, this director, is suddenly here. Like this is a guy that we're gonna we're gonna be talking about for a really long time. This isn't just someone who had like a huge breakout film. You're like, wow, what's he gonna do next? I mean, I think that we could be talking about these three films from this year for many years to come, and he's delivered them in the space of a year, and that's incredible. And I mean, yes, Jackie is my favorite film of the year, and I think if this was the only movie that Pablo put out this year, I would still feel this way. That this is a huge, bright talent that we all need to pay attention to and who's really doing something different, especially within the framework of genres that we think, uh, we have certain expectations for that he just throws out the window in the most sort of artistic and meaningful way possible. Yeah, I mean, I think I, one thing I'm nervous about with Jackie, right, is that like I think it's award season. People are like, "Ooh, Natalie Portman as, <laughs> as uh, Jackie Jackie uh, Kennedy after the assassination." And I think there's like this expectation of what we have from. I don't even know if you call this thing a, a biopic. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to call it a biopic. But I struggle to hit upon the right words for it and how to describe it to people uh, when I'm trying to encourage them to go. <laughs> because it's this dissection. It's this amazing thing. I don't. It, it, the film cross cuts between all these different moments, uh, before the assassination, um, her struggling to put together this funeral, um, her sitting down with a reporter many weeks afterwards, um, her talking to a priest, and it's cost-cutting all over this and time. And there, there's scenes of them when they're in the White House and they are happy. Right. So you have these like little bits folded in where you're like, oh, look, things were wonderful, and then you get some scenes where it's like, oh, this is, uh, one of the most dramatic interpretations and reenactments of this horrible event in history, and it's very striking. Because the thing about it is that it's like this dissection of this woman who in the moment of utter grief and shock is piecing together her legacy and her husband's legacy and this idea of Camelot and being, a and, and being able to like put together this public image at this moment of great grief. And it almost becomes, I don't know, it, it, and the reason I'm nervous about this film doing well, which I love, is it almost feels cold. It almost feels like, do you feel that yes. way? Yes, because I mean, I think one of the things that, 
you know, you hear this from many people who've seen the film. I heard it and I saw it at New York Film Festival, people around me, that they just sort of thought that the Camelot myth was something that had been in play when JFK was still alive. And as we're seeing this film, Jackie is unspooling it and feeding it within days of him dying. And it's very clear that she is completely heartbroken, she's absolutely destroyed, but she's still clear-headed enough to think about, well, what's this gonna look like in 10 years? What it's gonna, what's it gonna look like in 50 years? And she crafts the entire thing, basically over the course of a very long interview with a reporter. And even though Billy Cruda plays not exactly the real reporter who reported this story, it's sort of what happened. Like, if you go back and you read the original story that appeared, I believe, in Life magazine, these pieces are all in there. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, is that I think there's almost like a parallel to Jackie's storytelling and Pablo's. Like, as, like he is so in control and is like a scalpel taking this apart. And I know one of the things that amazed you was like the structure of this thing and the way that different pieces uh, kind of bump up against each other and like and and, and create meaning. I mean, what what was it for you about with the structure? With I mean, thing? I think there's a couple of things. That, like you said, the way he cross cuts between time. There's certain moments when you think I've seen all that I'm going to see of the assassination, and then he'll come back to it later, and he shows one of the, probably the most gruesome depiction of JFK's assassination that I've ever seen sort of after you've gotten it out of your head that you're not going to see any more of it, which I think makes it so striking. And then you have these more sort of dreamy sequences of her in the White House when JFK was still alive. And then this long form, very weird, strange sequence where she's putting on all her different gowns and dancing around the White House and she's in the Oval Office and you don't even really know what's real versus what she's imagining, whereas so much of the rest of the movie is so real. And it all works, and I don't know how he does it. I mean, that was the thing, though. That was, a, and I said this beforehand. I, and I, I think you'll probably hear it in my conversation with him. I'm really searching. I'm really like trying because the other thing is, is, is Naruta is this ex exact opposite thing, whereas um, it's this expansive um, film that's so playful and kind of brings in this like spirit of Naruta and this playfulness um, in, in a time where he's like in, in exile, and. I feel like maybe in a little bit I'll be able to see them as the same filmmaker, but like I don't know that if I had been at Canon Sonaruda and then I'd seen this and you hadn't told me that it was the same guy, I would have been. I would have I've seen any connection. But to to your point, I think the other thing is in, in talking to him and seeing other people talking to him and just just having spent a little time with him, this is an exceedingly smart, intelligent man who has um, having grown up in Chile under the situation. So he's grown up with. Um, there's always a political connection. Politics is something. And so his mind, in terms of his ideas, is, is very complex. But his ability to make connections and have that complexity in the filmmaking, rather than being spoon-fed to you, like all this information and stuff, and to the point that like the way that this thing is structured gets at all these ideas, gets at all these things about public image and what happens to someone as they try and control their images in ways that's almost all filmic. I mean, he, yeah, like you said, he's not spoon-feeding you anything. There's certainly, with Jackie, there's so much exposition that you could put into it. There's so many different characters and so many different players. And he just, he tells it in his own way. You understand what he's saying. You understand what you're seeing, who everyone is. And with the cross-cutting with time, you always know what time it's taking place, mm -hmm. which is no easy feat. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about this film that's totally worth noting is, I mean, 
he's also just, I mean, he's working with a great script. Uh, the performances in particular, Portman, yeah. are insane. The score is like from like this whole, literally from another world. <laughs> and, uh, and it's also got this, it is not an expensive film. Um, and I mean, certainly, and I think some of his collaborators are going to, to get some, are getting some recognition, yes. possibly even more than, than him in this award season. But uh, there's that element also of these very, di very different elements in them being pulled right. together, in particular that score. The score, uh, and yeah, and Portman's performance, and then you have, I mean, something like the score, which feels like it could be from a very different movie, and then you have the attention to detail with the costumes, and the hair, and the makeup, and the White House itself, it all looks so appropriate, and then you put the score over it, and you put the editing, and the cross-cutting between time, and I feel like it's sort of, you know, it's sort of thing that people say a lot. If anyone else did it, it probably wouldn't work. Yeah. We should say, uh, her name's Mika Levy, right? Mika Le Levy. Mika Levy, who uh, for IndieWire fans probably know of her from Under, under the Skin. Under the Skin, which, this, yeah. yeah uh, and she's a European musician uh, as a band, but I mean, uh, this really is the first, uh, you know, I, I think, I, I think that an Oscar nomination is possible, yeah. um, but I mean, it's just one of these fresh, Voices that are coming into the composing world that we we that we desperately need. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, um, but I think there's even I think there's even just something to say. You know, this scriptwriter is a guy who literally on his day job produces the Today Show on right. NBC. He's like the head guy at <laughs> NBC News. Uh, and is like clearly very smart about politics or something like this. And then you take the, Mika has got this very unusual uh, approach to composition. You've got an actress like Portman. And I just think there's this element of also just the way that he, it's all being weaved through this this, this very unique vision of his. Uh, it's 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 a remarkable film, um, and uh, like I said, it just seems like this guy's here for a while. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Any other? No, I mean it's my favorite film of the year, and I still struggle to accurately define it for people, other than. I think every part of it is extraordinary and people should see it. And I think even if people don't like it and can't engage with it, I think it's still a very worthy experience that people should have in a biopic soaked world. See, I'm so arrogant that like the reason I, I put it like right outside my top 10 and the reason I didn't was because I couldn't explain it. <laughs> whereas, like, whereas I can tell you exactly why Moonlight like, was working. Like I honestly, like I'm like, I'm not sure. I gotta figure this out a little bit more. It's like, he's not, <laughs> all right. Anyways, this is a, um, my conversation with Pablo Lorraine. Um, Jackie is out. It's been out for a couple weeks. Yeah. And then uh, The Orchard, which picked up Neruda. Um, I think Neruda's probably got a good shot at a best foreign language. Yeah, I think it's in the foreign language hunt. It's their, it's, it's their entry. So it's their entry, yeah. and I think it's, it's got a good chance of a nomination. And yeah. that film is coming out this Friday, December 16th. Um, and you know, for a foreign language film, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a decent, decent size release. And uh, yeah, this is Pablo Wayne. Kate, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. These two projects obviously fit you very well, but is, is doing something like this, two portraits where you're looking at their myth and their legend, is that something that is just kind of speaks to you as a filmmaker? Well, the first thing that you may know is that I was, uh, going to shoot um, Neruda and then the movie was pushed mm -hmm. and then we waiting for to that movie to get made we did uh, the club 
and with the club we went to Berlin and then we got an award there mm -hmm. and Darren Aronofsky was the head of the jury and then he invited us to make Jackie. So it was like, you know, totally accidental, mm -hmm. the fact that we were end up doing both movies. But um, but still to the point though is is that, I mean, you knock both of these out of the park. And no, 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 portrait, no, portraits I, are, are I difficult. Yeah. I was, I was, I was going, yeah, so what, I'm, so what happens is that, um, it's it's hard to connect both movies because mm -hmm. they're so different, but mm -hmm. I do believe there are some bridges, mm -hmm. um, and one of them is 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 the idea of that they were, as you said, well said at the beginning, is that they were both characters are somehow shaping their own legend or legacy, mm -hmm. or in, in Jackie's case, his legacy, and by doing so, she becomes an icon. And, and a mannequin as well. And then Neruda was someone who was building, you know, a legend from himself in order to make his voice bigger and louder and stronger so he could protect the people that he wanted to protect and his ideology and his political sort of project. Mm -hmm. But what I think is interesting is that in both cases they try to achieve something they try to shape what people might be thinking about them, and that's not possible. So there's like a gap, there's like a black space where things go in an undeterminated direction. And, and that interests you as a storyteller. That's where you get in. Yeah. That's, that's the door, because then it's, uh, if it's super structured, then there's, there's no, you don't fit there. You know, it's, it's all said, it's all being said, but there's, which is the problem with the biopic, most biopics oh, yeah. in general. And I know we're not using that word, but I mean, that's probably... No, no, that, we, that we should use it in, in order to, to, <laughs> to, to understand what we're not doing. But yeah. there's often not that space. It ends up, there isn't that space in between of, of that contradiction of where you can fit in and kind of explore. Right, and, and then what happens is that you, what in, in both cases, are movies of people that is in danger. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about necessarily physical danger, but there's just people that is on a, on a specific moment of crisis and then that crisis transforming them. And, and that transformation has no destiny. And, and I found a lot of beauty there. And, and I think that we could really sort of, uh, you know, lay an entire movie over that idea because it's people that is basically trying to control the uncontrollable. And when you do that, there are accidents. And those accidents are, are Cinema, I, it's just look, man. I, I've I've learned that that uh, at least from my perspective, if there's um, rage, curiosity, and love, then you could have a movie. Mm. Well, Naruto is so. It feels like that legend that he built and that came from his poetry. It seems as if. The, uh, your cinematic approach to this was to try and capture the kind of dreamlike quality of it. Well, I think his poetry is very in important. And, and what happens is that when you make a movie, all of us that do, did that movie, from Guillermo who wrote it, uh, Sergio shot it, Stefania, the actors, everybody, what you do, uh, and it's unavoidable, is like you sort of you read his work. And while doing it, it's just transform you in the way you're making the movie. It really affects uh, everybody. Mm -hmm. um, because his poetry not only has a meaning and a tone and an, an atmosphere, but it has a rhythm as well. Mm -hmm. 
and cinema is also about rhythm and tone and and so it's like I think Neruda is a movie about it's like going into his house and playing with his toys yeah. you know it's like uh, um, and Neruda was a man who who was a very complex and, and, and who built a very sophisticated cosmos around him. It's what we call the Lo Nerudiano, the Nerudian, you know, which is, which is not just his poetry. Neruda was a man who was a great cook, who loved uh, to cook, to love um, wine, mm -hmm. who loved woman. A man who was a diplomat, who traveled all over the world and he would collect multiple kind of objects. He was an expert on literature, an expert on crime novels, an expert on um, you know, on, on, of course, on politics. He was a political leader, a senator. He was a man who could, could have been the president of my country and, and someone who was able to describe throughout his poetry, you know, an entire nation and, and a, probably a continent, a culture. So that man, you cannot put him on a box and say, this is Neruda's, but he created a cosmos and that was, it really stick to us. It's like it's like we absorb his work and life and sort of digest it, and and we we came back with this story that has different keys that I that I think are are hiding there in in the film. And for example, uh, it's Picasso has a little role in the film, right. uh, but we always always like to call that this movie is very cubist in terms of that there's like little you know, ideas in the same canvas that they're, if you look at them, that they're very different, but if you look them from afar, then you could have a, a picture of what it is. And that's one key. And the other one is that the speech that Neruda gave when he got the Nobel Prize, um, you should read it, it's beautiful, it's online. And, and he said something that I think is incredible, that it really opens our eyes, which is the, he said, uh, he refers to this moment of his life when he was escaping from justice uh, at Lent, you know, extensively in the, in, in, the, in, in the speech. But at some point he said he doesn't know he lived it, wrote it, or dreamt it. And, and once we got that, then we felt that we were like, we, he gave us the keys for, for the freedom to work with his own material. And everything you're saying is, is open. It, it, there's so many aspects to this. Yeah, it's expansive. And, I'm trying to, yeah. And it feels like, you use the word toys, and it feels almost like this was a cinematic playground. And, and that the unifying force is this man and all these things, but that it, you, you were able to play with so many different layers. There's, there's so many different little elements here. There is that cat and mouse stuff. There is some beautiful dreamlike imagery. You're saying he says he doesn't know if he dreamed it or experienced it. And one feels like you're kind of filming it all yeah. three of those realities, yeah. and and it, it and then I, I also saw that you guys had like a, a hundred an enormous script, something like a hundred and ninety page script That's or true. something like that. So is that was that something where in the act of filming it was it was just try doing a whole bunch of things, trying a whole bunch and kind of finding this movie as you went because it's just so expand. It does end up becoming unified, but I'm wondering about the approach. Yeah, I I. I well, I think Guillermo Calderón did an incredible work with, uh, with the script because he did something not only important in terms of the structure and, and, and the character work and the plots and the subplots, but, but mostly on, 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 on letting the characters talk. You know, I, I was very afraid at the beginning that we were going to have like actually Pablo Neruda talking. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm, I was like, who's going to write that? Mm -hmm. 
because I wouldn't be able to, you know, I would, I, I would be paralyzed to even to try to do that. And, and then with Guillermo, and then, and then we found that it was interesting to have the perspective of the, you know, of the cap telling the story and looking at this, if, 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 if he would be like sitting next to you, you know, and, and so that opens a, a lot of doors for us. And, and then we realized that we were making a movie about about something that was being constructed while the movie is being watched, um, and and their so ideas. Meaning, the audience is constructing. Yeah, you, 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 they're kind of constructing a story. Yeah, they the, ad, the audience is constructing the story, and it has multiple potential connections, and and that's the other key that I think it is. A few, a few you can see in the film that. They were, they, Neruda was reading crime novels, and those novels were from a specific uh, label called the Seventh Seal, El Septimo Sello, El Septimo Circulo, sorry, the Seventh Circle, which is uh, Bioy Cáceres and Jorge Luis Borges uh, uh, seal. They, they released those, and Jorge Luis Borges was an Argentinian writer who would work with the, these tools of, of fiction and metafiction and in intersection of characters. So there's a lot of Borges in, in this film as well, in terms of the structure. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a very expansive film. And, and, and I tell you, man, there's something very dangerous on all this. It's just trying to bring poetry into, into a film. Mm. It is so dangerous because it could go into a very complicated place. And, and I think the way we were able to manage it, it was um, basically uh, just instead of bringing his poetry to the, to the screen, we tried to create images that were inspired by his work, mm -hmm. that it would, among other elements, would just deliver and trigger something completely different that wasn't necessarily under my control. I, I don't like to work like that. I try to, to sort of set up different things and, and, and put them together. And then when we cut the movie with Hervé's Need in, in Paris, he, he and I were like sort of assembling these multiple potential layers and directions, you know, that the story could have. And it went to where you, where you saw it. But mm -hmm. But yeah, it was. Uh, I never really controlled how was the movie going to be. Mm. But wh I was. We were just like harboring, you know, harvest and harvest, just bringing yeah. stuff. Even in post, you're still, you're still. Yeah. You see all these things. He's like, yeah. You know, I'm guessing the the approach and the mindset is very different with Jackie, right? Because it is. because I mean that feels to me. Whereas that feels as expansive as the world as of of Pablo. This seems to be going in with a scalpel. And, and being and kind of going in very precise is that well it is it is and it isn't it is precise because it's focused on one single character mm -hmm. and in a, in five or six days of her life um, but it's also someone who had an incredible mystery I think what is fascinating about Jackie Kennedy is that it's someone that has been reading about her like very few people in history has mm -hmm. so many biopics and people that's writes and writes and, and historians and and journalists and, and writers and she's probably uh, somebody told me I think it's possible the woman that were that had more been photographed uh, in the 20th century 
I don't know. I don't think you can measure that, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. If it's not the, the first one, it's in, it's in the top three or five for sure. And then also considering how private she was later in life, it's even more remarkable. More remarkable, yeah. I agree. And, and so what happens is that she was probably the most unknown of the known women of the 20th century. And it's a woman that today very, like, I, I don't think people really know who she was. And, and that mystery is very captivating. Mm -hmm. And... And because you're like trying to grab uh, a ghost, and you will never get it. And and it's and I think if you could get it, then it wouldn't be very fascinating. There's something in 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 in, in our job that is so incredible that you're trying to capture something that you know you won't be able to capture, but just the exercise of trying to do it is probably good enough to make a movie, you know. And mm -hmm. and, and and it works in Neruda as well and Jackie. Um, and also what happened, I think, I think in Jackie that is interesting is that this woman was just like, um, at some point she, after the assassination, you know, with all the grief and sorrow and pain that she had, she had to protect JFK's legacy. Mm -hmm. and, and by doing so, she, uh, she made him a legend and she became an icon and ultimately mannequin you know so there's like something that we were talking about at the beginning it's like there's this little gap when you're trying to control whatever people thinks about you and at some point you just can't and then it goes in an unknown direction and then it go back to you in a way that you can't control because people will think whatever they think right. whatever they want ask Donald Trump <laughs> man <laughs> but I mean but it's also fascinating because I think from from our standpoint right now uh, what you're saying rings completely true, but for her, I think most people, it'll be interesting to see what they think after they see your movie, but that she probably controlled her public image better than anybody else in, in, in that kind of but destruction she, of that image. She thinks so. That's, yeah. what I'm, that's the whole point. Yeah. She tried. Maybe she did a good job, yeah. I agree, because there's, there's so very little that we actually know about yeah. her. Um, and there are tapes that they will be releasing at 100 years from now. You know that. Right. She she recorded with Arthur Schlesinger. Yeah, Junior. Yes, three yes. three sessions. One was released, I think, two years ago. The other one will be released thirty years ago, and the other one in like in ninety years more. Mm -hmm. So let's see. But we won't be here <laughs> for sure. But what I do know is that she was someone who tried to protect her privacy, and and there's an absurdity on it because you just can't. Because you're you're just such an icon that when when you're you know not walking out to the street and staying inside of your apartment, that privacy maybe is unknown. But people see that like we see that window in across the street and see that building, and I could tell she's there. But then there's an energy coming from there. There's something that she's holding that we could all think about what it is. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's trying to hide something from you, what you do immediately is to try to think about what is that she's hiding and you want to have an answer. And when you have an answer, then that person would not control what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the movie does. So you go out of the cinema, you say, I bet you ask people outside of the cinema who Jackie Kennedy was or who Paolo Neruda was, 
and you would never get the same answer. And they wanted to control that and they couldn't because they were just trying to protect something. Talk to me a little bit about the structure of this film. I realize the script existed when you came on to the project, but my understanding is that you worked with uh, Noah, the screenwriter, quite a bit. And it's, it's very interesting in terms of how it's structured and how uh, we're kind of moving back and forth. It's not a traditional kind of um, flashback where we're going back and forth in the story. You're really connecting moments. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I first I, I got the script and, and then the first thing I did it was to... Um, I watched this uh, White House tour that I later... The one that's in the movie? Yeah. Uh -huh. that, but it, it's, it's real and mm -hmm. she, she shot it and it was uh, made, I think, in early 61 and, and, and by watching it, I then later suggested Noah, who included in the script, um, to have that on the film because it's... It feels like a foreshadow of, of what's going to happen next to her. It feels like a map of her future. She was talking about... This is her just so... This is... Um, she um, redecorated the White House on a... She, when, when, she, when, they, when they got into power, they went into the office, Jacqueline Kennedy restored the White House, not just changing the fabrics and, and things here and there, but also like bringing and finding old furniture and objects that were at the White House that had historical importance, that were all over the United States for multiple reasons. They were sold, given away, put it out, whatever. So they brought them back, restored them, and put them where they were. So it's an historical work first. And then, with a team of designers, she sort of redecorated. And she was criticized by that, because people thought that she was spending public money on it, and she did not. She did it for historical reasons, memory, and also she raised money privately to, to do it. And so in order to avoid that criticism, she, JFK suggests her to make this TV show, this documentary, and they did. Mm -hmm. And it was like incredibly successful. Back then she got an Emmy, you know, for it as a best performer or something. And, but the paradox, a paradox that I found there that I thought was so beautiful is that she walks around the White House and she insistently talks about um, Lincoln's widow and reminds people that um, Lincoln was killed while in office and that Lincoln's widow died this destitute and with no money, that she has to brown her silverware and that she has to sell, like, sell furniture. And, and for somehow, she was describing what is going to happen to her two years after. So when I was watching it, I couldn't believe that she was actually describing her own fate. It's incredible. It's like, right, like, you know, so I, we included on the film because it's just, if there's a paradox that cinema needs, it's mm -hmm. that one. And, and I do believe cinema needs paradox to exist. Mm -hmm. and, and so it was like just there. And we included not just because it was beautiful, it was moving to see her, what she does, how she would really care about history, how, we ho how would she talk in front of the cameras, all the experience of doing it, what it meant for her, for JFK, for this country, but mostly as a foreshadow for what's coming next. And, and I thought it was just an incredible coincidence and it's a paradox and we included it. And then there was the one layer, then the priest is another layer, the journalist is another layer, 
and then sort of the A story, which is from Dallas to the funeral. The six days, yeah. Right. So from the, the assassination to the... Exactly, which is our, the main structure where yeah. we're coming and out. And, and in terms of creating a movie that is just like a super structured film, it does have a great structure, of course, but I, what I do believe cinema needs is atmosphere and tone and mood. And, and, and you create... A, we created this movie throughout slices of memory pieces, you know, like a, it's it feels, like a patchwork a little bit. And it feels almost like you're playing notes as you move back. And it, that's what I was, with the structure, it almost feels like you're playing different emotional notes as you're kind of going back. I totally back, agree. Yeah, going back it, and forth. It, it has more like a structure of a symphony than, than yeah. a, a classical uh, movie, I guess. It's, uh, it's more connected with uh, musical movement. So is this something where, and this is, this is, we'll just finish up here, is this something where that is kind of your influence over the script, is kind of thinking about these beats and these emotional tones, it's kind of taking the story? Is that something? Yeah, it's the beats, the emotional tones, so mostly it's uh, a woman that is uh, going through a very specific existential terror mm -hmm. process. Uh, and, and when you have a character and that character is facing an enormous amount of danger, mm -hmm. that is not physical dangerous in every level, that character will react in an uncontrollable way. And, and that's what I think is interesting because you never know what's gonna happen because it's someone who is facing a crisis that's so huge, so horrendous, so mm -hmm. weird and awkward at the same time that there's nothing you can really tell but feel. Mm -hmm. And that was the challenge, to create an emotional journey uh, based on true events that are basically the story about a woman who had to not just face adversity, but mostly face her own ghosts and, and survive, man, and push, just push. Well, Pablo, thank you for taking the time. Please, thanks to you guys. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward. These two films are coming right out, right? right yep, yeah, like it's going to be... Jackie will be out uh, December 2, and, and Neruda will be out on December 16. Right. So, yes. Salt water and warm water. Keep the throat. You're going to be well, talking about them a lot. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> thank you.